You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Jessica, and today we're talking with Hardeep Gulati, the CEO of PowerSchool, a leading edtech platform serving more than 32 million students, 65 million parents, and nearly 100 million users in 70 countries. The company empowers teachers and drives student growth through innovative digital classroom capabilities and real-time communications across any device. Hardeep grew up in central India, earned a master's in computer science at IIT, and moved to the United States and started a process automation business that was quickly acquired. He spent almost a decade leading product development at Oracle and is now leading the team at PowerSchool. On today's episode, Hardeep is joined by Marcy Daniel, Chief Product Officer at PowerSchool. Marcy shares more about the platform's functionality, what it means to be a unified classroom, and how schools are finding it most useful. Let's listen in to hear Hardeep, Marcy, and Tom's discussion. And if you're at your computer, you can actually watch this podcast recording at gettingsmart.com. It's the first of many video podcasts to come. We've got it linked in the show notes to make it easy to find. Let's get to it. Hardeep Gulati, welcome to the Getting Smart podcast. Hi, Tom. Thanks for uh, having us on the call. Hey, great to have you here. And you're joined uh, by Marcy Daniel, your chief product officer. Hi, Marcy. Hi, Tom. Good to be here. Hey, great to have you guys on. Um, Ardeep, I, I gather from your, your bio, you probably grew up in central India. Is that right? Yeah, it's uh, northern India, uh, but uh, did uh, learn and travel across the, the central India as well. Uh, I moved to U.S. about now close to 22 years back. Uh, wow. And, did, in, uh, did you go to one of the IITs? Yes, I did my uh, master's at IIT. I did go to school here at the UPenn as well. Uh, but right. uh, how did how did you get to Penn? Uh, I you know being uh, I actually started in that uh, technology company back in the '99, and one of the things which uh, clearly uh, you know uh, I learned from a thing was that while you know you can be great at technology, it's very important to understand how to apply that to solving real business challenges and problems. Right. So that gave me the curiosity to uh, go enlist myself at the pen and really uh, uh, tr- try to get a better understanding how to you know, capture the voice of the customer. Well, I'd love to start uh, talk about that startup. It's interesting. It looks like you started that just a couple of years after college. Is that right? That is true. Uh, where, where'd the idea come from? So, you know, I've been work, was working with the uh, telecom companies like Lucent Bell Labs, as well as with some of the financial houses like Dun & Bradstreet. And uh, one of the key things which uh, was clearly obvious is that when it comes to information exchange and data exchange, the, the lack of uh, uh, integration pretty much inhibited a lot of the business processes, irrespective of whether that was in the telecom world or the financial, and for that matter, even the high tech uh, and even in education. So we uh, focused on building a service-oriented architecture of how to make integrations uh, more easier. Wow, that's actually a great background because we, uh, as you both know uh, better than I, face a a huge integration challenge in education. Uh, We'll come back to that, though. Um, But it looks like you were acquired pretty quickly. Is that right? Yes, uh, I joined a a company which was acquired, which uh, was focusing on solving that problem in high tech. Uh, and, you know, we had investors from Cadence, uh, Flextronics, HP, and Avnet who were trying to solve that problem in the global supply chains and how to have a more product and data exchange more smoother across the entire supply chain. Uh, so our service-oriented architecture was then, you know, uh, built more to be purpose-built for the high-tech. 
Uh, and that's where the, uh, you know, I joined Spin Circuit as one of them. Uh, Hardeep, you, you spent almost a decade uh, in product development at Oracle, the, the last half of that leading product development. That's an, that's an amazing background. What, what were some of the takeaways from product development at Oracle? You know, the progression from Spin Circuit as we were solving the problem for high tech, as you can imagine this, and you said, the, the problem persists across industry. And Oracle was starting initiatives across both product lifecycle management, but master data management. So I joined Oracle to lead those initiatives. Um, so I ran the master data management initiatives, uh, as well as some of the supply chain product lifecycle management areas for Oracle. Uh, really, the exciting part for me, uh, for learning from Oracle, that's being spent nine years there, was you got to see every industry and how similar some of the challenges uh, which exist in every industry. Um, so in the last now 10 years, being in the education sector, it's been exciting to kind of bring some of those learning into the education sector. And um, especially in the K-12 world in the last four years, uh, I've you know, seen which has been a neglected sector from a large of uh, large uh, enterprises like Oracle's or IBM's of the world. And uh, bringing that kind of technology and bringing that level of scalability and integration has been the mission which we've been following at uh, PowerScript. No, I, I appreciate that. Before we started recording, I mentioned that my, uh, my background is in uh, private sector uh, as well. And so I, I, uh, I appreciated when I um, came into education that there's many things that are, are different about education, but there are a set of uh, enterprise challenges that, that are, are quite, uh, quite similar to other sectors. So I, I appreciate the, your, both your commitment to education and your interest in bringing um, quality tools and integration to, to education. How, how did you hear about the 2015 uh, Vista acquisition of PowerSchool? So prior to PowerSchool, I was uh, working in a company called Sumtool, which was the number one corporate learning platform. And we were doing a lot of work with the higher education as well. Uh, one of the missions that uh, how we were championing that learning should not happen in an own silo. It should be part of a broader aspect of talent development. It needs to be more just in time. It needs to be more contextual. Um, I think you've kind of seen a big paradigm shift over the last uh, decade or so with YouTubes and learning is happening in much more, you know, micro or nano ways where it's more contextual. And that paradigm shift actually is even more so when you look at your kids. I have three kids and I can tell you, yeah, all the way from my four-year-old who was kind of uh, wants to be able to navigate an iPad and you know navigate ABC mouse uh, and go through different things much quickly. How do we, uh, the paradigm shift of providing technology, paradigm shift of how we make the, the context of the learning to be much more to the digital natives, which are our, our next generation, uh, was kind of what we were doing in the corporate side. And when PowerSchool was being copped out from Pearson, uh, I got very excited and uh, I, you know, I, I uh, Vista asked me to lead that initiative, and uh, it's been now uh, for uh, like close to now five years. So, I, I I was thinking about this uh, while I was running this morning, Hardeep, that that you had two two important shifts um, when you took this role. One is stepping into education, and and it I didn't realize that you'd been in the in the corporate learning space. So at least you uh, you, you had good. Um, learning management system uh, background, but you were stepping in one into a new sector. And then to some extent you're stepping into an integration challenge 
as, as opposed to a development challenge. And you had just spent 15 years re really developing high quality products from scratch. And here the, the opportunity was going to be integrating a, a set of tools around a, a kernel. So it feels like two kind of uh, step ups uh, simultaneously feels like a big challenge. What was it? What was it? Has it been? Sure. Um, actually, the integration challenge was actually very universal. So uh, some of the work uh, I have done at uh, Oracle, whether it's a retail sector, teleco, life sciences, when you look at it, even um, now how you're doing, for example, clinical trials versus how you're doing manufacturing of those clinical trials and how you're actually going to uh, do mass production, you, you don't realize that actually a lot of those systems are separate. And just like we talk about in education, where you have a fragmentation of information and that creates a lot of uh, holistic view about what the outcomes would be. Actually, the pharmaceutical companies struggle with that as well. Uh, There's so many clinical trials who get uh, on the side because they are not able to have the right information at the right time. And that is a big challenge even in the clinical trials phase. So you apply that actually, that same problem existed in corporate education. Uh, when you look at, and also in higher education, where a uh, lot of times when we are giving talent development to the employees, a lot of time employees don't, can't uh, figure out that how this is going to help me do my job better or how does it really help me move to be uh, a lot more to be able to grow in my career. And from a corporate perspective, it's difficult to understand um, what, what, how, what is the engagement levels uh, of the, the employee. So, and same challenge exists, your talent systems, your learning development systems, your HR systems, your actual on-the-job tools are all different and sometimes they don't talk to each other. So a lot of what we have been doing over the last almost 20 years now with integration platforms, with master data management platforms, with bringing suite together actually was the same challenge I saw in K-12. In fact, even more prominent, uh, our districts, when, uh, when I first surveyed our customers uh, back in 2015 to to make sure I understand the K-12 challenges better, the number one ask from all of our major customers was the biggest challenge was actually integration because every district was reinventing the wheel by connecting and they still lacked a holistic way to understand how they can improve education outcomes. Right. So that's what uh, there's been a mission which actually is very consistent with what I've seen in other industry. K-12, it's being even more prominent. That's interesting. It, so was, um, was Vista's interest um, always in taking PowerSchool and, and building an integrated comprehensive solution around it? I'm curious if you and Vista both saw that opportunity initially. We both saw when initially we were talking to Pearson coming out, we kind of saw that, that Pearson, while they had invested in the product and over the years made it the number one student information system, um, there was still a, a best-in-class student system, but sitting it's a known silo. Right. So we clearly saw that, and that was validated by our customers, um, that there was a lot of fragmentation. A survey, I remember from the time we did, a teacher was actually using 19 different systems within a week. Yeah. So 40% of their time was going in administrative tasks related to the fragmentation of having to deal with multiple system and having to do mundane administrative tasks right. away from the actual job of teaching. So we clearly saw that as an opportunity very early on. And as we kind of build the vision and mission for our school that we invested how we can create a unifying technology platform. Doesn't have to be all power school, but does have to be a platform that can help 
tie all the different pieces for districts. So every district is not having to reinvent the wheel. And the main right. objective is that they can get that whole holistic view of how they can understand where are the learning gaps and how do they address those learning gaps and how it's really concerted effort to make that happen. Let me back up and do just a, a second of history for our listeners. Uh, I bet I bet almost everybody on the uh, podcast will know the PowerSchool name. It was first developed in 1997. It was sold to Apple in 2001 and then to Pearson in 2006. Uh, so you oversaw the, the acquisition by Vista about five years ago, right? Yes. And then uh, Marcy, you joined a, a few months later. I did. I joined in February of 16. Um, I was part of an acquisition of Interactive Achievement. Okay. And and so you were part of one of 10 acquisitions. So Hardeep, you've been busy um, making an average of two acquisitions a year uh, for the last five years. Uh, Marcy, you've been leading uh, product for, for the last two or three, right? Yeah, uh, since, uh, yeah, about four years, yeah. And, and now um, you, um, many people will remember that uh, you acquired Schoology just over a year ago. Was that a year and a half ago? Yeah, actually less than a year ago. It's almost now. Oh, really? Yeah, it was uh, November of uh, last year. And, and with uh, Schoology and, and many of these other products you've developed, um, what Marcy calls the Unified Classroom. Uh, Marcy, maybe you could tell us um, about the functionality of the Unified Classroom. Sure. Um, the Unified Classroom really gets to the heart of what Hardeep was describing is we saw a problem, heard a problem about teachers having very disparate experiences across multiple applications. Uh, so you have a productivity loss there, and then you also have the um, just the data, you know, learning data sitting in a lot of different places. Uh, so Unified Classroom, we developed um, that really starts bridging those things across um, learning experiences, assessment, uh, your grade book, mastery, standards, and really loops all those things together um, into a single workflow experience. So you're not going into those different applications, trying to bridge all that work that's happening for a student and understand uh, you know, where their learning is. And most importantly, like how do you adjust their instruction, right? Like how do you adjust uh, what their learning path is based on real-time data versus data that is very backward looking? Um, so those are some of the things that we um, have threaded together in that Unified Classroom suite. Is, is Schoology the uh, learning platform in uh, Unified Classroom? Yes, Schoology is the learning platform in um, Unified Classroom. That was a, uh, it is a, a well-respected, um, one of the bigger, uh, better learning management systems. I think it was launched probably around uh, 10 years ago, right? 2009. Yeah. 10 years ago. Marcy, this, this is, I, I think you were one of the first platforms to integrate um, HRIS along with the student information. So human resource information. Uh, is that an important part of the, the unified classroom? It is um, in the respect that I think that one of the, you know, you have the teaching and learning loop of how you want um, instruction uh, to happen in the feedback loop to happen with students. I think there's a feedback loop there also with teachers um, and understanding uh, where they may need some additional professional development. And so 
you see that crossover into talent management uh, with student data to understand um, areas that they may need additional professional development to uh, you know, focus on a particular subject matter that they haven't um, done instruction on or classroom management. There's a, you know, a number of things. So that's where we see the, the bridge across uh, student learning uh, and then tightly wound with uh, talent management and professional development uh, on the other side. That's great. I, I, there's, I can't think of another example where there's really good link between uh, a teacher learning system and a student learning system. I imagine there's uh, a number of benefits there. Yeah, I mean, it's really actually very compelling when you show, like, let's say a learning gap on a particular standard or a mastery, and to be able to, you know, directly click in and get professional development that's directly associated. Again, back to that early discussion we had about contextual professional right. development. That's what teachers are hungry for. It doesn't need to be all like two days in the summertime. It needs to be contextualized so that they can be better teachers. It, it, does it work? Uh, I was just thinking of micro-credentials. I'm talking about that today. Micro-credentialing gives teachers some options in terms of what they learn, how they learn, how they demonstrate. Is there some of that functionality in the yeah, so platform. we have a very enterprise level uh, professional learning uh, module that has all those type of features that are designed to, uh, you know, meet teachers where they want to be and, right. and credential um, in, a, in a way that is appropriate, you know, whether it's classroom learning, of course not right now, but um, or online learning, uh, group learning, those types of things. This, uh, you probably have seen this yeah. time, it's about $18 billion dollars which gets spent on teacher professional development in the year. Right. And most and, of it's lousy. Yeah. And most of the time, it's a, actually a very peanut butter approach. Right. And uh, we, what we've heard from our teachers is actually, it actually there's a lot of overhead on them to actually right. sometimes go through it where they don't find these two to be useful. Right. Um, and yet, we, you know, we struggle with some of the effectiveness in the classroom as well. So how do we make it a lot more contextual and pinpointed? Right. Well, uh, as you said, there is not another system which has brought the student side and the talent side together. So we really saw that as a, as a key gap. What we heard from our customers is that how we bring these two pieces together. So that's a very unique aspect, not just right. classroom, but even the talent, because ultimately teachers are in the front line of effective learning and education. And unless we can make sure that we have the right tools, the right training, and we can make them more productive, you can't improve classroom uh, effectiveness. Yes. Uh, do you have a budget management module in the unified system as well? Yes, we do have a back office system as well, in including the entire finance and HR and budget and fund management. Uh, the key goal there is that tying these pieces together with the student system, uh, kind of the foreleg of the stool, right? So the, the student system, the, the ERP and the back office systems, but the classroom right. system, the talent system. And which we also include, we're going to talk about the parent and the uh, outreach and the community outreach as well. So there's a lot of focus on that too. All that is what we derive, what we call the five E's of effectiveness uh, of driving uh, uh, better education outcomes. So you do need that part because where does the dollar spend is worthwhile? Is it to better opening additional classroom, additional curriculum, additional investments for the, the student? It helps you really understand all the different data aspects together. Uh, Marcy, the, the good news, bad news in the learning platform space in the last 10 years is that there's a lot of free stuff out there. Um, both Google and Microsoft offer 
a, a really lightweight platform, not quite an LMS, um, but it integrates with a lot of productivity tools and um, that, that makes it a challenge for somebody like you leading a product team trying to do a premium product that's fully integrated, but isn't that part of the, the challenge for your team of competing with free stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think some of the free tools that you'll find in the market are really more document management than they are learning management. And so, um, you know, part of what we want to educate, you know, our customers on and districts on is that there is a difference between an enterprise LMS versus some of these other lightweight or document management type of tools. You know, some of the key things that really are, I think, going to be accelerated by um, the online learning and having to move to remote learning very quickly uh, around mastery and those types of things. It starts hitting on some of the challenges that you have with a document management productivity tool model versus something that ties everything to learning objectives. It ties everything to, you know, a consistent standard base. Um, having like a consistent collaboration tool where you're not just talking to a student or just talking to, uh, you know, another teacher, but you're, you have that continuous loop between teacher, student, and parent. And that, so those collaboration tools, that learning objective, those are some of the key things that some of the, I guess, free tools don't really bridge to that. And right. that's really what you need to really understand what's happening to your kids. Yeah. Um, while they're at home. Hey, we've, we've uh, said recently that uh, we think every school should adopt, if they don't have a learning management system, that they should adopt one in the next 60 days, uh, train their teachers on use and be ready to operate a high quality blended program at school and a remote program out of school and operate those um, in sync. I, I imagine you guys would agree with that comment. Yeah, I no, I would agree. Go ahead, Hardy. Uh, you know, I think uh, maybe a good point for us to kind of share with you some of the things we're doing. You know, in short, I think as Marcy was saying, one of the things that we, we really are seeing, it's very important to have a structure to the learning, even if you're doing a full remote learning or if you're doing a blended learning, which might be the reality for some time, but something which is really beneficial even in the long run. It's a right. really strategic asset for the districts to do that. That structure in learning is very important, which can naturally happen in a classroom, but uh, it, there is also benefit of that to get support additional through an online tool as well. And what we've seen is that, uh, especially in the last 10 weeks, as district had to do remote learning, where districts did not have the right tools, where they the students had to go to Zoom meetings or Teams or Google Classroom, then they had to go look at another content online. They had to go, uh, you know, do study groups or stuff in a whole separate tool. Right. It was very hard for teachers to uh, see, especially when it comes to middle school and elementary school level, to really see are the kids really engaged and right. having that holistic view. And even for their parents to step in and help out because parents were equally confused on how, where is all the structure, right? What is the curriculum? Where are we teaching? So uh, Enterprise LMS, you were absolutely right on. I think it's very important. Uh, it's not a replacement for the productivity tools like Google Teams or Zoom, but it sits as a structure, as a one-stop shop that allows you to kind of consistently provide the entire learning experience so you can keep the kids engaged, even whether it's in a blended learning format. And we're seeing time and time, LA Unified is a great example of that, 
as a, a great job by the district as they rolled in 100,000 new devices over during the, um, du during the time where they had to, uh, with the full moving to a remote learning, the first thing students, when they log into the devices, they log into Schoology and then being able to really get and navigate and we're, we're effectively be able to engage. So I think you're right on, on that and that's what we've been recommending and seeing actually a lot of districts who are taking, uh, taking that very seriously. Marcy, you've been studying um, some, some feedback from teachers. Um, maybe you could tell me what you've been learning, um, sort of listening to teachers and school leaders, uh, some of the, the, the key messages and trends that you're seeing. Yeah, so I mean, some of the things that, you know, is definitely talking to customers, but then also just looking at, you know, kind of trends that we see, um, behavior changes in our own platforms, just good product management um, work is, we're definitely, you know, as uh, state assessments, uh, you know, were waived, we're seeing this huge increase in formative. Uh, um, and I think that that's a really exciting thing, because it accelerates some of the innovation um, that was happening on assessment earlier um, into a new place. Um, lots of work around rubrics and uh, more performance-based type of work, um, which is exciting. Again, moving away from more traditional assessment means and into more innovative ones and accelerating that, that's a big, um, a big takeaway. Um, I think some other interesting things is things that you would expect um, to have um, gaps are getting wider. Um, you know, there's been plenty of press about access and um, those types of divides uh, between rural and more urban or micropolitan type of space. Um, but we're seeing that also there's some light there that people are able to uh, make that shift over to distance learning from blended learning um, 100%. And the usage is like, it's it's huge. Like it's not, you know, just double or those types of metrics. It's people have really created an engagement um, that's, um, like I said, I feel like gives a, a, a hope and that the learning will continue um, once we get kind of past some of the initial um, access points that uh, the districts are suffering from right now. What's your, what's your take on uh, what will be different uh, next year? Do you think you'll see some new use cases? Yeah, I, I think, uh, Marcy, feel free to jump on this. Uh, one of the things, uh, Tom, what we're seeing definitely is that uh, there, there's a, be a better understanding of first to understand where the gaps are created, getting created because right. of the engagement. Uh, while Marcy talked about, uh, you know, there's some positives about formative, there's some positives even about gender, we actually saw that, uh, we, you know, we're in a very unique position because we get to see um, almost 9 million students learning distance learning in our platform day in and day out, right? We, uh, we were in a unique position to see over the last few weeks how that learning was happening. So there were some actually benefits of gender actually where female students were actually a lot more engaged uh, because they love the structure in some shape or form, right? And even as uh, Marcy mentioned, like in the micropolitan, there was 8,000 percent increase in the usage. Right. Uh, we had 1 trillion learning engagements which actually happened in our environment and just over the seven weeks period uh, after the, the, the disruption when the shutdown happened. Where we are seeing still, there are still big, even though the learning is happening, there are still definitely areas where the gap is increasing, both from the engagement and adoption level, 
but also from the achievement level. Uh, one of the benefits we have, again, is we are not just a learning management platform. We have the full assessment and analytic platform and a special education platform. So we can even look at how are different aspects of the, where the gaps exist and being able to see the natural which, uh, you know, summer slide versus what the COVID slide is, where how is now COVID actually creating that longer? I see that in my own home. I think any parent probably, any teacher is, understands that some of this disruption is definitely creating uh, not just the academic level, but even social emotional aspect that need to be worked on. So right. working a lot of districts is actually giving them that view, which is more holistic whole child view. And we are actually seeing the trends that, more than the summative assessments, actually the districts are realizing that whole child view is even much more important. Understanding engagement, understanding social, emotional, along with the grades and achievement, and looking at the more holistic view is actually what there's a growing recognition. And that's the trend. Uh, and then coming up with intervention plans and making sure there are more personalized learning paths because every child is at probably going to be at different levels. Uh, and that's uh, the definitely the key trend we're seeing. Marcy, anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, I think you hit on a lot of it. I think that um, because so much more on learn, online learning is happening now, that just to, uh, to hook on to what Hardeep's saying about personalized learning, like I think having all those data points in that sort of continuous flow of instruction will enable that to really start taking hold, whereas previously maybe it was in a few different spots. Um, so, and I think that like, I'm an optimist. I think that that brings um, opportunity for, for students and for educators. Marcy, uh, has the last two months changed your product roadmap? Are there things that you've tried to bring forward in, uh, in your, your product roadmap? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that we, um, we have always had a, a unification integration um, strategy um, and we're bringing a lot of those things uh, faster forward um, to improve that experience and again, tie more to those data points together. Um, we have uh, done a lot of work around uh, our Unified Insights platform, which we just launched that Again, we brought a lot of things forward about 12 to 18 months that we thought were incredibly relevant and valuable to our customers to really understand what, again, back to that question of like, I'm not in front of, you know, 25 kids now. And so I don't really know what's happening right. with them unless I see it, right? Marcy, does the Insights platform include some formative assessments or is it a, a data integration platform? What is it? It's a, it's a data analytics platform where you can understand uh, what's happening across all kinds of dimensions with online learning. That's great. Uh, Hardeep Gulani it's, uh, and, and Marcy Daniel, it's been great to have you on the podcast. Um, thanks for the update. Uh, it sounds like you guys have been, uh, you've been busy while school has been uh, online for the last two months. We definitely uh, have uh, seen 400% increase in uh, usage of our tools. So that definitely has uh, kept us busy. But at the same time, I think it's uh, it's a great privilege uh, as a 2400, representing 2,400 employees of PowerSchool who are passionate about K-12 education. We could not be prouder of the, the work our team has done and how we have been able to support these districts during this time. And uh, to your point, I think uh, what we do see is that going into the fall, going into the next school year, uh, there's growing recognition um, of understanding that these tools can truly help them 
during this planning process, but these are also very good strategic investments for long-term. So we are really doing our part to offer districts uh, not just solutions, but best practices, professional development, things which will help us kind of really support them as they continue to uh, make sure the learning is happening, not just in the classroom, but also in the home. Uh, you're well positioned to uh, deliver value to schools. Uh, we're we're uh, glad you're doing the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank thanks you. for the, uh, having us on the show. A big thanks to Hardeep and Marcy for joining us on this week's episode. To learn more about PowerSchool, check out their website at www.powerschool.com. Also, listeners, before we go, I wanted to make sure you know about our Getting Through series. We know many school and district leaders face a challenging few weeks ahead as you get ready to reopen your schools in order to serve students while also keeping them safe during a global pandemic. If you're looking for tips, strategies, and lessons learned as you plan for the school year ahead, check out gettingsmart.com slash getting through. You'll find a well-curated resource set to help guide you as you face the challenge of reopening schools. All right, that's it for today, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Jessica signing off.